Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Welcome to the Really 007 podcast. As usual, I'm your host, Tom Pickup, and in this episode, we'll be discussing The Spy Who Loved Me. <laughs> couldn't, really, couldn't really do the usual joke because, of course, the song isn't called The Spy Who Loved Me. But uh, <laughs> yeah, they did manage to crowbar the, the, the sort of title into the song, didn't they? Anyway, we are building up quite the back catalogue of reviews and specials. All this can be found on iTunes and Spotify. Just search for us at the Real 007 Pod. We're available on most social media platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Again, just look up Real 007 and feel free to join in on the daily inane debates. Now, tonight, my team discussing the Roger Moore classic consists of John Kell, Rob Parker, Chris Goldie, and Math Pickup. Good evening, Good evening. gents. Good evening. Good evening. <laughs> Wild excitement here. Yeah, yeah, I know. We're not doing a Daniel Craig one, guys. Go mad, go mad. <laughs> Although the Daniel Craig ones do get us very passionate. The Spy Lovely marks his third appearance as James Bond and is continually regarded as one of the favourite entries in the series. Uh, in fact, Roger himself regarded it as his best. Yes, Chris. There's also the popular opinion that. Each actor really hits their stride in their third appearance as James Bond. So think Connery in Goldfinger, Pierce in The World Is Not Enough, Daniel Craig in Skyfall. No, I'm, I'm being naughty again. So this was the 10th Bond film, which is uh, another iconic moment for the series. And just to think, it's only 15 years Crazy. after Doctor No. So just think about the same... That's the same length of time between Casino Royale and No Time to Die. Just think about that. Anyway, it was a, tr- <laughs> it was a troubling time for the franchise. The lukewarm critical and financial reception of The Man with the Golden Gun, now I've, I've no idea why. John is... Uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, the other big thing that happened, of course, was the departure of uh, the other producer, Harry Saltzman. So that put pressure on it being a big hit. Thankfully it was. And it sealed Roger's reign as a long-serving, popular and unique James Bond. 
So in the film, Bond must join forces with Russian secret agent Anya Amasova to stop water-obsessed zillionaire Karl Stromberg from submerging the world into a new civilization <laughs> under the sea. The water world. No. Um, anyway, the excitement begins with the now iconic parachute in skis. It continues on to Egypt, Sardinia, and underwater. Man Roger manages to neck four women at my count, I think, including John's favourite, Naomi. Does he neck discussing her? In detail, no. <laughs> that's a very good point. I think it might be four plus now. What, what is neck? Sorry. Well, first base. Passage. First base. He's necking with her. Because this it, is Fet. Miss Fet. I want to see Bon necking Fiona Fullerton. <laughs> <laughs> is, it, is it forever macking? Is that what we're? Yeah, yeah. Yes, I think so. Right, okay, okay. I think yeah. so. Good. Yeah. You are right though. Naomi's. You know. He just gets a wink. Never on gets. Her. Yeah. yeah. Bit of uh, flirting on, on, on the boat, but yeah, we'll get to that. I don't think Jess Gold is a fan of all that. I can, I can, anyway, we will come to that. <laughs> but the other big thing, it uh, also marks the first of two consecutive appearances from Uber Henchman Jaws. It's the biggest, it's the best, it's Bond. And beyond. James Bond and the woman is Major Masova, Russian agent. Let them get ashore and then kill them. Watch out! In our business, Anya, people get killed. We both know that. Then, when this mission is over, I will kill you. Within minutes, New York and Moscow will cease to exist. Has Anya on there? I know, James. I'm sorry. I have to get her off. How? Well, well, well. A British agent in love with a Russian agent. Your time's running out, Stromberg. Yours too, Mr. Bond. Yours too. It's the biggest. It's the best. It's Bond. And beyond. This is obviously, we have a bit of shuffling and the Spy Love Me has come quicker on our list, sorry that sounded rude, uh, than expected. So I'm looking forward to discussing this in great depth. It's it's a classic Bond film, I'm sure we've all seen it hundreds of times, but I'll just ask you briefly chaps, or not, or not briefly on this podcast, just to go through your own personal relationship with the film. I'll, I'll turn to you first John, you're nodding your head. Yeah, so my relationship with Spy Love Me, I, when I got into Bond films, my mum was happy to sit down and watch them with me and she always was like you need to watch the spy who loved me that's the best one and my mum was a teenager when the spy who loved me came out so she is very biased to it it was like like her bond film very much similar to like the world is not enough for me so i remember for the first christmas that i got that i was into bond she bought me the spy who loved me 
and we watched that video on repeat we absolutely wore it out it's an absolutely iconic film very much Roger Moore's Goldfinger there are so many great iconic moments but I think like Goldfinger because I watched it so much when I was a child when I grew up a bit I probably underrated it a bit probably stayed away from it probably just wanted to explore some of the ones that I didn't watch as much when I was a kid and with that you kind of think yeah it's by love it's good but you probably don't appreciate it as much as it should be appreciated so I've really enjoyed going back through this in uh, through this re-watching it appreciating it from a different perspective looking at it with critical eyes and I'm actually really excited about this talk I think there's so much great things to discuss and so many things I think that we'll have probably different opinions on as well actually I think this is going to be a really good talk you think you got a bit of spy love me fatigue as a kid maybe I think I did I think I did yeah it is one of those it's ubiquitous isn't it like Goldfinger um, I think it's a bit of a problem in some cases that you, people think you can't have too much of a good thing and we're not going to reveal whether it is good yet Rob yes I'm sure we've probably seen this film together at some point Oh, when, yeah, when was the last sure. time you saw it? Uh, last night. No, but genuinely before that, I mean, it, because like John says, it's, it's so part of the fabric of Bond, I think now, um, Spy Love Me. I don't need to watch it regularly to know just where I am. Like, uh, mm. if I see that it's on telly, I can press, you know, I can pick the channel that it's on and then pick up the like I literally I can recite the dialogue from where they are so it, it's it's one of those it, I think that comparison which I've never heard before but it rings so true that it's Roger's Goldfinger just works entirely um, and yeah it it's got all the things that you would want from a James Bond film in there and some other stuff that you might not want but it's got all the stuff that you would really like out of a Bond film so yeah again this was um, my gr- uh, granddad showing it to me on a Sunday afternoon uh, recorded on VHS plain and simple it's possibly the most Sunday afternoon slash bank holiday Bond there is it must be mustn't it I, I think yeah I mean, honestly there was a time when um, gran would, grandma would come in and you know if, if they were were on you know like <laughs> if there was about 25 minutes to go and they were on Stromberg, Stromberg's you know um, Strombo's yeah, we're, Strom- uh, <laughs> we're going to talk about this Stromberg's unit facility whatever oh, you want to yeah. call it Atlantis. You know, yeah, Atlantis and she'd be like is it time to put is it time to put the Yorkshire on you? <laughs> Should we put the Yorkshires on? Like, not quite, not quite. You know, five more minutes. Five more minutes. You know, timing the end of the film Brilliant. for when the Yorkshires were done. Fish cake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Get your yeah. Tabasco sauce ready. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yorkshires and Tabasco. Between you know, between you and I and the listeners, we we have done the odd, the classic rate the James Bonds, you know, the app, and put it in a certain order based on your gut instinct, isn't it? Really, you get given the choices between each one as options and then it gives you like a list of your your favourite and the orders and I have to say John John's was maybe a bit lower mid-table if I remember I might we will discuss where it is now at the end of the episode but on Chris's list it was it was worryingly low so does that mean you've you've not always had a great relationship with this film no I've (laughs) it's never been I don't want to be a provocateur (laughs) well, yeah. First time I've uh, ever heard Gender. that phrase in in context. Before, so. <laughs> Been saving Long that one. Well. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I don't know. I, you know, I've always, uh, you know, during my sort of peak Bond 
kind of just devouring it all and was like a massive fan it 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 was never I always loved it but it was never my favourite which is which is strange because so many people absolutely love this film and it has so many amazing iconic moments that when I was trying to think back it's like why why was it never in my you know the top 10 15 and I, I, I honestly couldn't figure it out I don't I don't know what it was that 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 it just didn't sit with me maybe it was me pushing back on just how popular it was like you know some people are like oh Goldfinger it's not really that good um, but I always felt that Goldfinger <laughs> was was great but yeah Spy Love Me I don't know I you know I'm watching it like I've watched it a couple of times in the past you know six months and there's so much to love but it never really connected with me and I cannot explain why not <laughs> and it's been uh, um it's been difficult it's been really difficult to uh, come on here and obviously open up and be honest about that um I'm so and I sorry hope you won't Chris. judge me yeah I think <laughs> it's going to be difficult for you to persuade the the judge that mm-hmm. this isn't a great Bond film but Please we we will see <laughs> Please. <laughs> <laughs> the sentencing is a separate matter yeah. <laughs> um, yeah math we we must have seen this I mean the videotape probably nearly went bust or there's a lot of them did because we must have seen this so often, and I think our older brother James did he uh, did he say it was his favourite or was it no Man with the Golden Gun was the first, yeah the sort of golden Roger Moore era for him yeah I remember growing up because obviously like you say we we used to watch it just constantly um, I mean we, we used to watch most most of them constantly but this one you know uh, as much as you know there won't have been one we watched more than this but I remember always being absolutely terrified. Well, of the scenes with Jaws, but particularly the one on the train. I'm not quite sure. Maybe it's just when he, you know, he appears, much like a horror mm. film, you know, as um, um, as a lot of his appearances are. I remember being absolutely terrified by that and like either hiding or leaving the room or something, and then being so relieved to get past that bit because then you know it's like the pure big action after that. So yeah, it's it's one that I you know I have great fondness for. Um, it's it's so iconic. I think in my mind, in my mind, it's almost whilst it's whilst this and Moonraker are almost ever so slight. You know, Moonraker is almost an ever so slight sequel to it. And uh, you know, like with Jaws and you know the the whole John is waiting in the wings. Huge, <laughs> huge grand scale type thing. I... Yeah, I mean, this isn't this wasn't supposed to be a big point. What, because what I was going to say was, it's always felt sort of. I think it's partly because of the soundtrack, and I don't I don't know whether it's anything else, but I've, I've it's always been sort of a little bit on its own in in Roger Moore's sort of pantheon for me. And probably now it's probably uh, my favourite Rogers are probably his final three, and then Live and Let Die, and then this, and then Man with the Golden Gun. But I do I do like I love them all. But I really love this film, and it's it's always had a you know a constant place in my life. Gosh, this is going to be amazing. I mean, we've discussed Roger, you know, we've touched upon him in each episode, but at some point we will do a tribute episode to him as well as we have done with Sean. But I take it we are all big Roger fans, and in this film, he is he's on his A game, surely, surely. Even you, John, would would you accept that? Oh yeah, I mean. Uh- I'm a big Roger fan, don't get me wrong. I'm not... When I look at my lists of my favourites, not very many Roger films come in, but it's not a criticism of Roger. 
Like I, I, I really appreciate Roger's performance, and I think that Roger finds his feet in this film. And I do put a lot of that down to Lewis Gilbert, actually. As, as I look down into the background of it, it seems very much that he said, we need to move away from Sean Connery. We need to give this guy his own identity. And I think you see in The Man with the Golden Gun them trying to make Roger more Sean Connery in a lot of this, in the scenes. And I think it, it, it gives Roger's most uncomfortable performance in that film. Not that it's bad on Roger's part. I, I do... I, put that more in the direction more than anything i think here roger finds his feet that that you see the wink you see the smarminess and <laughs> i mean it even the um even the the pre-title the gun barrel it's a new gun barrel isn't it for roger on this one and it it kind of signals a new era of roger for me this film this is where he finds it and it's like on the barrel on the gun barrel he's walking through and his suit it's got those flares mm. on and he's got those unbelievable flares and that to me sums up Roger we've, we've really <laughs> entered pinnacle 70s Roger now and I love this this is this is what I call pure entertainment pure entertainment Chris I mean, your relationship with Roger I don't dare ask I don't know because I know Connery is Connery and Dalton I'd say are probably your, your number ones but this is what I'm garnering so far <laughs> although Honor Majesty's is your favourite film where does where does Roger sit with all that? I think it's uh, it's impossible not to appreciate his work. It's impossible not to, you know, kind of be drawn in by his screen presence. You know, the, the his the the lightness of touch at times. He's so likable in these films, even even when he isn't likable. In like, there's some scenes in like, you know, the Man with the Golden Gun where he is. It's a the the tone is questionable and it, it feels like this was written for Connery but then it was dialed up for the 70s so therefore it was a little bit more but you know you watch him in those films he's, he is he's, he's so he's just he's just likable and i've always been a fan of, of you know outside of bond you know i've always loved you know Roger Moore whether it's in some of his films and like the persuaders and things he's 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 he's, he's just he's ace Essentially, oh, is what I'm really? saying. Yeah. But I think I think that some of his films, and you know, going back and watching like you know, Spy Love Me a couple of times, they did really make me sort of be a bit more sort of critical about his performance, and 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 that's why I'm kind of looking forward to watching you know that Man with the Golden Gun, which was a film that I really loved and 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 for, for a long time because of, because of many elements, and that's to do with like the fact that Christopher Lee's in it. The fact, you know, the characters, you know, the music, all lots of elements that I loved, but those scenes that sort of do throw you out, and you think, oh man, you know, if if we could just, you know, I know it's, I know it's, uh, I hate to say, you know, a product of, of its time, and, that, and you know, kind of, you know, are you excusing it? Are you not? And that kind of, it becomes all like very, you know, just very kind of muddy waters. Sort of, you know, you you don't know where you stand on those things. But at times, watching Spider Man, it just if 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 he was just if he was less of a shit towards women, <laughs> <laughs> I think I would love this film more. You know what I mean? There are moments in it where I think, "Come on, Roger, what are you doing? Why are you playing up to the crap?" And, 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 and that's what it is. At times, I feel like he's he is playing up to the cheap seats, and he's getting a cheap laugh, and 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 that's where I take. Uh, you know, where, where I feel my most critical towards it, 
and it's not just, and it doesn't distract from it as a film because I think watching Spy Love Me, I was swept away with it again, and thinking, you know, uh, you know, no matter how old you are, to watch these set pieces, to see those sets, to see that you know, to watch the drama and the action and the music, it, it's impossible not to be, and I, and that's the one thing that that has made me, this podcast has really made me think is that you can object to an awful lot about Bond and an awful lot about whether it's the novels or the films but it's, at times it is impossible not to be swept away with the glamour mm. the action, the music all these elements and, and you know, and, and you can be as critical as you want but sometimes when you just sort of let go it's impossible not to be thinking, this is amazing, this is so much fun, this is such amazing escapism and to watch Spy Love Me where there are scenes where I think, oh come on but the, there's other stuff where it just sort of counterbalances that and I think oh this is ace and that's, the, and that's always, every Bond film I watch it is a constant battle of as a, you know kind of, I suppose you know, a, 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 as an enlightened Man in woke. the 21st century, you know, kind of well, not woke, just, but, you know, like, you know, but you know, kind of knowing what is acceptable now, and 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 even back then, it wasn't acceptable. It's just that we turned a blind eye to it, and and there is a bit of carry on this, you know, the carry on films to it, but I think that that, that if you if you get past that. There's so much to fall in love with in these films, and that's why I keep coming back. Even those films where I think I didn't get on with that very well, and that can be Dying of the Day, that could be The Spy of Love Me, it could be anything, and I will go back and watch it again. Man alive, that scene! Oh, I'm I'm the you know it's this this is this is cinema. This is this there's, there's just something to it that is special, and and and, and like I say, just you can be critical, but then. It's it's a hard battle not to be swept away with these films. I think with some of the things that people might criticise, we'll come on to them, particularly you know regarding treatment of women and things like that. I suppose that's even more the case, isn't it, in the man with the golden gun? But none of this is is Roger, is it? It's not. There's nothing in his you know his uh, no skeletons in his closet. Nothing's ever come out. He's always been a top you know top top guy, and. It's him playing that part, isn't it? And I think he's yeah. always been uncomfortable with a lot of those scenes himself. Yeah, and I, and that's why. I, and, and going back and and watching things like, um, you know, for your eyes only and Octopussy, it, it 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 really does sort of you think, oh, it's sleazy, sleazy, terrible, sleazy Roger Moore. And you go back and watch. Actually, there's a, there's a, there's a real attempt to represent women as as as. A full person, you know, not just she's there to look pretty, and 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 I always, honestly, it just surprised me when I watched, you know, for your eyes only, where you get a, the, the, there is a scene where he is, you know, obviously this, the young lady who, you know, sort of tries it on and, and says, you know, you yeah, you, you know, you're too young. I'll buy you an ice cream. And obviously, it's played for laughs. But and then and then Octopussy with you know the 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 sort of the, I suppose the main love interest is age appropriate. But you know we have to remember the Spy Love Me was co-written by the guy who wrote the Confessions of a Window Cleaner. We will get etc. So you know, <laughs> That's we're not expecting nuanced, <laughs> fully rounded, or rather very rounded um, you know, women. Um, so yeah. So. It is, it, and and 
I, I, I'm able to take it out. I'm, I'm able to look at these films and think, you know, that that is not. And also watching it with, you know, my son, who is, you know, five, he just turned six, and go, oh gosh, that is, that is. I don't want him to think that women can be treated that way. I don't want him to think that women can be objectified in that way. But at the same time, I understand that there was. You know, at the time, it wasn't not necessarily acceptable, but it was it was kind of par for the course for a certain type of film, yeah. and it, it doesn't really, you know. And I think that now, I don't want it to be kind of like, oh, well, they didn't, you know, we know better now, and that's that's a really patronising thing to do with when you look back at films. Mm. But at the same time, I'm able to go, you know, with with a bit of distance, we can understand. That that's not really how you treat women. That's not really. I think really now it would be nice to write female characters fully rounded and you know who have agency and etc. I mean, you could look at it the other side and say the whole point of this is that we've got an equal to Bond who's a woman and people well, yes. need to accept her. But that yeah, seems to have exactly. got lost, doesn't it, along the way? It does, film. and that, and and that was another thing that surprised me about the film. Yeah, is that 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 the, the, so much about that the setup is. She's an equal, and it is to it is yeah. from the opening scene. You know, it is trying to sort of suggest that that expectations that are triple X is a man. Yeah, yeah. But then it's not, and then <laughs> you know there are moments that, that undermines that. But its underlying message is she can be as good as Bond. The thing, just going back to Roger, he makes it effortless, doesn't he? He's just he's just effortless in everything he does in this film. You don't, for a second, take your eyes off him. I think you just—he knows he's got the audience in the palm of his hand, doesn't he? I think in this the whole time, you absolutely love him. And every again, it's every moment he's on screen, I'm just loving it. It's it's the best of it. I actually saw the Seawolves the other day. (laughs) I don't know whether Chris is probably the only one who might have seen that. I'm guessing. But it was, it was, I think, in between Moonraker and For Your Eyes Only, because it was 1980. And he's just, he's just James Bond. He's just the same guy. But again, he does, he doesn't have. He's got like a couple of action scenes in it. Obviously, it was basically the Expendables, Jerry action with Gregory Peck, Trevor Howard. Um, Sounds absolutely incredible. Yeah, it, yeah it, it's, it's pretty good. Yeah, it, not quite as good as you might. No, it's, it was crisp. Oh, no, but his, he's the only one who's got this love interest, which they added on the. It's a true story, but they added this love interest. Thing. So he's just he's just doing all that, and it, again, you're just like it's so enjoyable and the privilege of watching new Roger Moore performance in the in the age of him being as Bond. You know, I, I need to see the you know North Sea Hijack and all these these films now as well. But yeah, he he was loved at the time for the just his persona, and I think without. I think this is the real kickstarter of that, isn't it? Spy Love Me. We will talk more about Roger, but chaps, it's t- it's time, as always, for John's quiz. I'm v- I'm very much looking forward to it today. I hope it's I hope it's fair. I'm so excited to know what the the buzzer noise. Yes, be. I know. Yeah. Do, do you want to have a guess? What would you say is a, a quotable um, line or a quotable endless. word? Actually, pyramids. <laughs> <laughs> Oh yes! Is that it? Math gets a point. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what we're saying today. Oh, brilliant. So five questions. I think I think Chris is winning after his. Re- 
ridiculous knowledge of Sean Connery. And yeah. Skyfall. So I think Chris has got it so far. And Skyfall, but we know he loves that. So uh, we'll carry know on. Know your enemy. Five yeah. questions. That's fair. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I am going to take the first person to buzz in with pyramids. <laughs> I am. I am going to give Martha one point. Yeah, oh, I agree. I agree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Brilliant. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, question one: What is the name of Carl Stromberg's super tanker? Pyramids. Was that yeah. Tom? Th- it is the, the Liparus. It, yeah, it, oh, the Liparus or the Liparus, depends say. how you want to pronounce it. You know. <laughs> but that's yeah. That's it. It's probably you're right, and I'm probably just trying the to Pyrus. overpronounce it. But yeah. No. Uh, so one all. <laughs> Now, question two, and add on to that. But what super tanker does Anya say is bigger than the Lipperus? Pyramids. Is that Pyramids. Is it the pyramids? Go on, Chris. What was it? The Karl Marx. Oh, it, it was, was the Karl Marx. Yeah. Darling. <laughs> Darling. When she's describing, it, isn't it? Darling. So it, yeah. Darling. Yeah. Okay. Question three. In the Majaba Club. <laughs> What drink? Oh, can that just be the theme tune? This is a deadly serious quiz, John. A butchering of the Majaba Club theme tune. In the Majaba Club, what drink does Bond order for Triple X? Pyramid. Chris? It's a Bacardi and something, oh. but I don't know what the something <laughs> was. It's not Coke. It's a Coke. Bacardi <laughs> and soda. A Bacardi and... I, Pyramids! <laughs> Seven up! Mark is it, one. Is it... Is it not with something? It's on the rocks? It's Bacardi oh. on the rocks. Oh. A Bacardi, as I described. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> If you'd have said Bacardi, Chris, I'd have given you the point, but then you you overegged it, mate. You started going on about with silver and Math gold stuff. Yeah, yeah. David Nugent's. Yeah, against Abdora. As well as Dr. Barkman, or Bachman, who else developed the satellite tracking? Pyramids! Oh... It was just Tom. Oh. It was just Tom. That was quite all right. I'm glad we didn't pronounce the name. I think it's Professor Markovitz. <laughs> <laughs> That's the one. And pro- Dr. Bagman and Professor Markovitz. That's it, yeah, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that would be two for Tom, one for Chris, two for Matt. So this is the Fuck. final one. So on her Siberian survival <laughs> course, <laughs> Anya learned three tactics for survival each one gets a point can anyone remember so anyone? whoever if you can name all three you can it, it, from a position of zero like myself you can swan in and win it go on Rob no you can't go on, Rob. but Chris oh. has just oh, has it? oh no go for it <laughs> <laughs> while you're working out the math <laughs> positive attitude oh. body heat <laughs> good films these yeah, and another one that I can't remember. Sorry. Oh, I'm gonna give you two points. It was it was positive mental attitude and yeah, uh, shared, shared bodily warmth. Warm. But um, but positive uh-huh. attitude and body heat sound like John Cena. <laughs> yes. Brilliant. <laughs> there's there's one point still available. Chris has now got 
three points. So Chris is winning. Math or Tom can equal it if they can think of it. This is awful. I can't. Uh, because I've got nothing to lose, can I suggest suggest quaffing bears urine? <laughs> no. <laughs> no? Rob, a Russian bear. You can suggest it. You can suggest it. If you do pyramid, oh, yeah. pyramid, no, no, because I always thought it was quite sheep-like, you know, uh, like pyramid. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Holy grails! <laughs> no, because uh, the scene. I mean, we all know the scene, don't we? Uh, she says um, it again in the train. Positive oh, mental attitude. Um, what was the other thing? <laughs> Should we just yeah. leave it? I mean, it is like, it's the worst answer yeah, of the three guys on this. What is it? Food. Oh! Rob <laughs> no, no, no was right, really, wasn't he? With his, his yeah, but, well, I mean, you're in, it's a beverage. So, um, you know. Yeah, but if, if Chris overegged it with Bacardi and soda, then Rob's. <laughs> Food is good. It's technically, Bacardi and soda is correct, it's just liquidised. Yeah. <laughs> right, so Chris, despite being stolen, you've actually won anyway, oh. so well done, Pop. Yeah. And just to uh, outro the quiz. <laughs> Rob was dancing at the Beautiful sound <laughs> Yeah, come on, I can't do this in my living room forever. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the Majaba Club in Cornwall. Come Table on. Table <laughs> Thank you, John. Brilliant. Uh, well done, Chris. Again, I think you stormed me away with this in the charts. Whoever's right. got you in the in the really double seven fantasy league, Chris. Uh, yeah, yeah. Smashing it at the minute. Depends on his seeding, his, his value before we started. Yeah. Well, I suppose. Yeah. I suppose. Excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> we value you highly, Chris. So given, as I've said, the relatively poor financial returns and generally unfavourable response of critics to its predecessor, The Man with the Golden Gun, The Spy Love Me was a pivotal film for the Bond franchise. The project was played with difficulties from the outset, the first being the departure of Harry Saltzman, who was forced to sell his half of the Bond film franchise in 1975 for £20 million. Goodness me, I mean, that's a lot of wow. money, isn't it? Then, I don't know how much that would be now, but it might be like getting on to £100 million or something like that, and that's what? only half of it. Ask, why did this happen? Well, <laughs> it, no, no. <laughs> it was apparently he was trying out uh, different business ventures, and they didn't really work. So he had he had financial troubles. You, you won't be laughing now, I'm so sorry. Um, it, there's no other way to... His his wife had cancer, and he was he was suffering with depression. Ho ho ho! I was only he, he sneezed accidentally, but because he just spoke and he couldn't. Mask it, yeah, I couldn't mask it. So now oh, it looks like I'm finding you know the yeah, the yeah. plight of yeah. Saltzman absolutely hilarious. No, it was a harrowing plight. Um, yeah, laugh out loud. I'd say, poor Harry. <laughs> But he got 20 million. So most of that was paid on his debts then. Yeah, so it could be on his own from now on until uh, Messrs. Babs and McGee got hold of it. <sighs> yes, anyway. The producers found difficulties finding a director. Now, do you know one of them who was approached was Steven Spielberg, apparently. What, uh, for, for yeah, Spy Love Me? Yeah. Wow. 
Um, he this was when he was in post production for Jaws, so this is going back obviously to nineteen seventy five because there was a three year gap, wasn't there, from the Man with the Golden Gun, which was I think the only other time that had been would have been between uh, Golf uh, Thun no no. This in fact this is the first three year gap, isn't it, I think? There was a one year gap between each of them and then you only lived twice needed two years. <coughs> and then it was weird that the man with the gun the gun only needed a year's gap again. But you still get you still averages out, you know, pretty well at the moment. Yeah, that's so that's so weird. So cause, um and it's weird you, you mentioned that because I did not know that fact at all. Because when I finished um Spy Love Me last night, I immediately put Jaws on. Because oh, it just felt I felt like I wanted to keep in that John, sort of like yeah, John will... <laughs> Yeah, that John's j- made that point. <laughs> oh, really? I'm sorry, John. Uh, yeah, no, no, I didn't know. I didn't know you made that point. I'm so sorry. Have a listen to that. <laughs> <laughs> Which episode was this? Was I on the episode? <laughs> oh, mate, I'm so sorry. No, it was on the it was on the Skyfall one, I think. But um, no, I mean it's it's proper baby work that they ask Steven Spielberg. <laughs> I mean because like he's just he's he's an amazing director. Don't get me wrong, but I mean it's not a criticism. But one of my observations of this film is is that Bond does follow the Jaws trend in terms of that we're really good on the water theme. We'll have sharks eating people. We'll even have a main henchman called yeah. Jaws. And then all of a sudden, I hear that Steven Spielberg <laughs> but, was offered it. I mean, uh, if he was if he was offered it in 1975 like, before it come out, he wasn't as big a name then, was he? And Jaws was a troubled production no, as well. They, so they, must, they weren't massively expecting it to be a huge hit, were they? That's crazy. Oh, but they must have oh, yeah, some yeah. insight into it because because they wouldn't have even offered him anyway because he was pretty yeah. much unheard of and seen as a big well after yeah. it came out obviously that's when they copied it <laughs> well, <it's>, no 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 <laughs> yeah yeah but anyway, but he, anyway he declined anyway but I think he's always regretted he's always said he'd love to have done a, a Bond film and that's yeah. part of the reason why him and George Lucas set up Indiana Jones so it's good in a way isn't it that we've got another brilliant <laughs> franchise really yeah you get both yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh. so yes yeah, so then they turned again to Guy Hamilton. Well, he's most famous for Goldfinger, but three of his four Bond films were the, the three previous ones. Diamonds Are Forever, Live and Let Die, and The Man with the Golden Guns. Possibly the most unfashionable trilogy in the whole uh, Bond <laughs> canon. I mean, I'll, I'll stick up for them anyway. But he, uh, yeah, he left because he was... Do you know why he left? He was offered the chance to direct Superman. Absolutely oh. amazing. Yeah, yeah. So he, he, he thought that, and then, of course, it didn't work out for him, and Richard Donner directed it so he was a bit unlucky there Guy Hamilton never really did enough perhaps as he could have done outside the Bond franchise in a way that Lewis Gilbert did I discussed this with Cabby before I went on the film and I said to him one of the mistakes that they're making with the Roger films was that they were trying to turn him into Sean Connery they should try and make him more towards the book of James Bond very English very smooth very good sense of humour Lewis one of the uh, funniest sweetest men I've I, I worked with great sense of humour I, th- I think the reason we got on so well we both have the same sense of humour I didn't give up the jokiness and I didn't give up the tongue in cheek because I felt that we needed to get back to that kind of thing. They basically then when all else failed they went back to Lewis Gilbert particularly they knew it was going to be, have to be a huge epic film and after he'd done You Only Live Twice he made the same film again I'm sure John will be uh, say, saying a lot of that uh, this evening. <laughs> Lewis Gilbert previously directed You Only Live Twice and then he returned for Moonraker, Moonraker 
I mean, Wrecker, that was a Freudian slip, wasn't it? Uh, yeah. And again, John will say that's the same film, and it's a remake of this film. Yeah, so aside from Bond, and he does, mainly did war films apart from that, until this point, I'm going to quote Danny McMonahal again. Because <laughs> like, oh. like Michael Apted, he was, he was essentially a British character director. <laughs> he was, well, he's... He did. Uh, he did Alfie, the original Alfie, which nominated for five Oscars, and he got a Golden Globe nomination for directing it. And a bit like with um, Guy Hamilton, he lost out to Oliver. He was at one stage scheduled to direct that, and The Godfather. So he'd he's been a bit unlucky with things, and uh, uh. yeah. But again, we, oh well, two great films we've got, and we've got these ones as well. So it's, they all work out very well. But yeah, the other, the other sort of two big films that he uh, directed were two Willie Russell adaptations. I mean, there's a you know, gritty Scouse. I mean, Math, we, what, Blood Brothers is one of his musicals, oh, yeah. isn't it? Let me yeah. see, that's really good. Yeah, nothing to These do with two... the podcast that. No, no, not right. <laughs> Although it is pretty gritty, that, isn't it? Oh, the yeah, one... yeah. yeah. The story the ones... of the Johnson twins. Yes. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Bomb oh, and Blowfell. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, the two the two <laughs> Willie Russell adaptations that he did are not quite as serious as that, but Educating Rita and Shirley Valentine, I have seen them both. But, I mean, in terms of awards, superb. So Michael Caine and Julie Walters won Golden Globes and BAFTAs, both did, both nominated for Oscars. Pauline Collins as Shirley Valentine was nominated for yeah all three of those. And Marvin Hamlish, I'm sure you know, was nominated for the song uh, from... <laughs> From <laughs> Shirley Valentine, The Girl Who Used to Be Me. I'm sure we've all got that in our record collections. <laughs> anyway, yeah, I, I've, I think the only other thing he'd done uh, since then of note that I'd seen was Haunted. I don't, Matthew, we used to have, we watched it uh, with Aidan Quinn and Kate Oh, Beckett, yes, so. yeah. It's quite a good, yeah, good British horror film. I was by that, yeah. Yeah, it was, it was good, that. Quite, well, maybe one for the tapes, actually, Chris. So, yeah, underrated film. Just going back to some of his other films, though, I... Shirley Valentine, I thought, was really average. I'm so sorry. I, th- I watched it fairly recently. Compared to uh, Educator, Rita was outstanding. I thought it was brilliant. I, don't, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, they're not really Bond-type films, but Michael Caine, honestly, his acting is he's so underrated as an actor sometimes, I think. He was, I he was outstanding. Getting, <laughs> I remember getting sent to bed one night as a, as a youth because my <laughs> mum wanted to watch Shirley Valentine. Oh, it, Rob, you would hate that film. It's absolutely. <laughs> I think I think the fact that I was sent to bed meant it was always doomed for misery. Yeah, in my she basically book, but, leaves uh... Tom Conti. Sorry, no, she leaves um, Bernard Hill when he was younger. No, yeah, no, you can't just do to that. have a bit of fun. You know, he's just like a nice, normal husband. She just right. wants a bit of. Fun in so Greece, and then we're talking about you know notebook levels of there's a nice yeah. guy, yeah, but, but it's you, not even... you're just smashing up his heart for no reason. It doesn't. So, so, I don't want to ruin it, but it's not. It doesn't really end in any particular decision made, or no, she doesn't seem bothered about any of them by the end of it. But anyway, yeah, Chris, I, I always turn to you with these obscure films. I mean, they weren't obscure at the time. They're quite big films, Oscar-nominated uh, films. Have you have you seen Educating Rita or Shirley Valentine? Oh yeah. Both, I think they're uh, they're very they're sort of dismissed as kind of uh, I don't know sort of divorcee kind of films, you know, Mid-life like the, the, yeah, yeah, they were the sort of Mamma Mia's of of the, the time. There's, there's, there's a lot more to them. Brilliant. There's uh, some great writing, you know, great performances. 
Yeah, I think that I think I, yeah. It, but again, it's really interesting to see that the, these directors who who sort of to do kind of prime Bond and then go off and do yeah. sort of kitchen sink dramas or kind of comedies and things that 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 they were um, just. You, open to all sorts of opportunities and i think uh, you know i think lewis gilbert is is you know again a really interesting filmmaker who did all sorts of stuff like guy hamilton did like you know who did, obviously did um goldfinger did battle of britain you know yeah it's like, fantastic films but yeah i think with lewis gilbert obviously the, the, there is the, the contrast of doing you know as, what 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 you would classify as ladies <laughs> say divorce <laughs> probably why I like you know they, they had a love <laughs> but they you know they get they get sort of like tagged with all these kind of I suppose sort of dismissive kind of things but I, I, I think he's you have to remember Spy Love Me was like one of the biggest sets of any productions at the time it was massive Big enough you know, to go from that to then just like filming a basically a, you know dramatising a play yeah of, you know, in a Greek island, to go from one to the other. other. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It is just goes to show, and I wish, and I, I, I almost it makes me wish more filmmakers were open to that to to to, to go from you know the intimate to the massive and the, the the you know kind of the grand scale filmmaking. It tends to be nowadays everyone can, gets pigeonholed into doing the same thing, and it's like, oh well, what was your last big hit? It was this. Well, let's do that again, but. It's slightly different, or it's a sequel, or something. I, yeah. I want, you know, mm. I, want, I want variety. I think only these days, if you're a writer director, or if you've really, really made it, do you sort mm-hmm. of seem to get to do whatever kind of film you want. Yeah. But even then, often directors are still pressured to have, you know, like Christopher Nolan is. If he did a kitchen sink drama, <laughs> I mean, he's probably not interested in that, is he? But. No. It, all right. There's more pressure for his next film to be bigger and more complicated and all this, you know. It's, yeah, rather you, than a family Christmas comedy. Or yeah, something. yeah. <laughs> M. Night Shyamalan, you know, it's people, yeah. come on, where's the twist? Oh, that wasn't good enough twist. You know, it's like there's, there's less room to breathe, isn't there, of some directors these Ang days. Lee, he's managed to be quite yes, diverse. Yes, good if example. You look at, if you look yeah. at his scope, he's he's done a variety of pretty yeah. much everything, to be honest. He's benefited because he's quite happy to work in Hollywood, hasn't he? And in China. But he's made some epic Chinese films that you will never see on British television. Anyway, from Bath, have you, have you seen Educating Rita? No, no. I think you'd really like it, I do. Julie Walters is unbelievable <laughs> as well. <laughs> but you I listen think, to uh, the really number <coughs> <close> seven. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> For like kitchen sink dramas to get Oscar nominations. You know about Liverpool? Lancashire. But I, do you know what I mean? Going to Hollywood. Yeah. Finding it popular—that's pretty impressive. But I think it still happens nowadays. I think, but it's it, it, the scale is different. You know, like, like yeah. Guillermo del Toro will do a studio picture. He will he will do like Blade Two, but then go and do you know, The Devil's Backbone. It still happens, but it's not. I suppose it's not maybe it's not as obvious because you're going from a Bond film to yeah, educating Rita. <laughs> I didn't think we'd discuss it. Honestly, it's yeah, really engrossing. I thought, yeah, it's very. I mean, it's very. You can tell it's a play. It's it's quite. It, I always think those are difficult to direct. Those ones like the History Boys. Re, I thought the film really suffered because it was just so like a play. It never really got out of that. 
mm-hmm. and some of them feel too scripted and static. Um, but I thought he did a very good job of that. Less so surely than time. Anyway. <laughs> really 007 is part of the Pod Dojo Network. The script as well had gone through several revisions by numerous writers. Again, we have to mention Kevin McClory. He seems to pop up in every single episode. <laughs> Massive podcast. Yeah, the initial villain was meant to be Blofeld's. But Kevin McClory, by now, he'd gotten an injunction barring Eon from using the character or Spectre, and that had delayed production further. So that excuse is no longer available to Broccoli and Wilson. Sorry, you have that. Um, Rather than sort of go and wait and wait and delay production, delay production, they just thought, sod it, we'll just change the villain to Stromberg uh, so they could get on with it, basically. They also had a bit of problem with all this because Ian Fleming only permitted Eon to use the name of his novel, not the plot. Now, Rob, we've we've discussed the making. We've always said the, the book's absolutely nothing like. I think when you read it, you were like expecting the same sort of thing. But there well, was a good excuse for it, at least. Yeah. Bonus. Yeah. yeah so he, um, his name, Fleming's name, was moved for the first and only time from above the title. So instead it was just Ian Fleming, James Bond 007. But then from Moonraker and on, I think since then, it's just gone back to, you know, Ian Fleming's James Bond. Just going back to the scripts, like we said, the stuff with uh, Kevin McClory meant that they couldn't use Spectre. And it was all going down. We mentioned it in the Octopussy episode when we were talking about Never Say Never Again. The, The film rights were separate, weren't they, from the book rights at this point. And the film Thunderball was developed with... Uh, Jack Whittingham, Kevin McClory and Ian Fleming before it was even a novel so then he was McClory was threatening to make his own Bond film at this point and obviously he had to wait until 1983 so this was all ongoing the film though when they got on with it eventually it was shot at Pinewood as, as we as we know and love and of course they built the new 007 soundstage mm-hmm. to house the enormous uh, set for the tanker it was filmed in Sardinia Egypt uh, Malta, Scotland, Okinawa, I'm not sure where that is, what? Switzerland, and uh, the Canadian Northwest Territories. I mean, it's incredible, isn't it? Uh, all Okinawa? Scotland. Yeah. <laughs> One of these good as my notes. Should have researched that more. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just the idea that, you know, like, usually that, if a Bond film, you know, the locations of a Bond film when you find out it's shooting are important, aren't they? You yeah. know, you find out, like, like on the recent one, you know, um, Oh, they're, they're shooting the Bahamas, like oh, yeah, 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 you know that kind of thing. Uh, you know, if I knew they were shooting in Okinawa, wasn't really used in the script. No. Zero fanfare for that. <laughs> one. Albert Broccoli, now on his own, of course, he commissioned a number of writers to work on the script, including the wonderfully named Sterling Siliphant. Chris probably knows this chap again. He wrote the Towering Inferno, <laughs> the Poseidon Adventure, and he won an Oscar for the Heat of the Night. So pretty. Ooh, Pretty good nice. CV from him. Nice. John Landis was was worked on a script at one point. No way. <laughs> Just so yeah. great, all this. Yeah, yeah. No I'd, way. I'd love to read that. Wouldn't it? Absolutely brilliant. <laughs> it's what became Beverly Hills Cop three, apparently. No. That's not <laughs> um, uh, Don't say Serge. Wonder World. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Don't say Serge. It sounds like a washing detergent. <laughs> <laughs> Is that Jean Claude's first appearance? No, no, yeah. no. It's. Serge. Serge, yeah. Yeah, another, another chap, Anthony Burgess of Clockwork Orange and, well, a novelist, really. Jesus of Nazareth, he, he did that. Uh, he, yeah. he had a script rejected 
So he, you know, he'd written the whole thing and had it rejected. And apparently, he's the one who introduced the idea of the massive submarines and all that that plot. And another, this is another amazing person who did a film treatment, but that was originally planned to be Moonraker before they reverted to Spy Love Me. Jerry Anderson of Thunderbirds fame. And oh, sheesh! Yeah, yeah. And I think because the <laughs> because the film's treatment was so similar, they, they just carried it along and used that a bit for Moonraker. <laughs> John, John. <laughs> So yeah, again, when all else fails, go back to Lewis Gilbert, go back to Dick Maybaugh. So he did the screenplay again. He tried to incorporate all these other ideas from the writers uh, who'd already had a pass at it. His original script featured an alliance of international terrorists attacking Spectre's headquarters and deposing Blofeld before trying to destroy the world for themselves to make a new way way for a new world order. Eventually, they got a chap called Christopher Wood, who we've... Chris, Chris Goldie just mentioned briefly for the, I mean they must have thought Confessions of a Window Cleaner, my word this is exactly what the Bond franchise needs to just move it at a time um, another Cambridge graduate of course that's a, that's a given for the Bond franchise he was brought in though by Lewis Gilbert, not the producers I think it was the, his suggestion but then Broccoli asked, he asked Wood to create a villain with metal teeth um, <laughs> I wonder who that was but uh, yeah <laughs> but um, there was and we'll, we'll go on to it when we meet Jaws and Sandor but there are two very similar villains I believe uh, in the novel there's a brace wearing henchman called Horror in, in the Fleming novel am I right here? am I right? <laughs> I'm not wrong then of course yes there was all this stuff with uh, McClory again McClory threatens to sue uh, Broccoli for copyright infringement claiming that he had the sole rights to Spectre <sighs> and its agents in all the films and of course they only got them back for that film that brilliant film in 2015. Uh, yes, all that had to be removed from the script. Now, in the film, uh, Stromberg's scheme is to destroy civilization by capturing Soviet and British nuclear missile nuclear missiles from submarines and have them fire intercontinental ballistic missiles at two major cities. You only live twice. <laughs> so it's... Uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> Very, very yeah. true. Stealing yeah. space capsules to start a war between the Soviets and the Americans. But yeah, yeah, we know, we know this. We know yeah. this. Um, Tomorrow and every day. Yeah, yeah. Oh hell, let's do what we always yeah. do: steal some weapons. <laughs> 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 Teaming up with a, uh, with a uh, another agent from a, agent. another country. Submarine yeah. that swallow up <laughs> other ships. Been there. I thought you it's said sexual. another word then, Chris. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> um, with, with the icing on the cake that is Elliot Carver. Oh, you do, we don't have Carver, do we? <laughs> Both films involved an assault on a heavily fortified enemy that had taken refuge behind steel shutters. Oh, that's another one, but we'll get to that, John. See, <laughs> the bullying has been... Also, you know, it sounds when you put it like that, it sounds like you know a distant member of my family trying to break into the local corner shop after hours. You know, <laughs> the shutters. Yeah, come on, when are you open? Yeah. You know, come on, yeah. come on. I want my paper. <laughs> I love the accent yeah, described yeah, to this imaginary family not, member. Not really. I want my paper. <laughs> <laughs> Nearly did that voice, Rob. You know. Anyway. Did, uh, well, you know, mate. Yeah. Um, so yeah the the scheme in which the villain uses Stromberg uh, to destroy mankind to create a new race or new civilization was of course also used by Drax in Moonraker 
so instead of starting Earth again on another planet or in space, uh, we were going to start again underwater for this one. So, of course, very, very similar plots. Then Tom Bankovitz came in, and he'd worked on the Richard Donner Superman films and the three preceding Bond films. And he did apparently an extensive but uncredited, uncredited rewrite of the script, which he then did with Moonraker. But I think under the, the writer's rules and everything, there wasn't enough room for him, so he got an executive producer credit instead of uh, a writer credit because they'd already got two on, on the list. Don't really know how it works things out. It's very odd. Yeah, I'd, I'd love to know just how many movies that we all revere who had someone absolutely incredible take a pass on them. And you know, just do it like a once over and mould it subtly in their own vision. Yeah, just just subtly. But some of these things aren't subtle, like adding things like submarines. I mean, that's cost millions. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, like yeah, it's plot, just really. incredible. This. Yeah, I'd love to know this era. This era, the mid seventies era of movie making, is something that I find yeah. really fascinating. But it shows that nowadays we we did in the no time to die preview the amount of writers who've had passes and gone through stage yeah it was going yeah. on at, at this time wasn't it yeah i mean maybe not with the first few films it was a bit more knew what you get and then with the john glenn era it was mainly uh, richard maybow and michael g wilson wasn't it and yeah you, you you do benefit from you know, having the same writers and the same process but sorry you benefit oh, from it, Rob, you do, really do. <laughs> you do? <laughs> Never heard that before. Right, I think it's that time of the evening where we talk about the film. So, <laughs> at least we've got a gun barrel sequence to talk about. Yes! So that's great. And, and a really nice peppy version of the theme. Absolutely. The first disco-based. Yeah. First of two yeah. disco-based Bond themes. It's the other one. Oh, no, I agree. Well, if you're, if you're eyes only, it's the opposite. It doesn't matter. Oh, wait. It's, it's pretty, pretty <laughs> disco. I thought it was pretty disco. It is disco. Yeah, yeah. Underwater. Yeah. Sort of goes underwater. It's a lively one, this one. It's a yeah. lively one. Yeah. You know, yes. like um, if you're trying to release a salmon downstream <laughs> and it kicks just before you're like, oh, like, oh it's a lively one. That Although, I think there's less... It's less of a huge orchestra that's used. There's, yeah, I think there's Ooh, less yeah. instruments. Mm-hmm. I like that. Yeah. yeah, there's too. There is a bit too much, in my opinion, of the full orchestra these days and the bomb theme to make it sound epic. A lot of the better yes. gun barrels are just basics and make it sound more urgent. I think. Yeah, like the the moment just before Sam Smith sings in writing. The <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, yeah, no, but you're right. I'm fully joking. I'm fully That's joking. just all but, brass and no knickers. Yeah. Place, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, works. That's all right. Take it. Deary me. I, I like it. It's, it's a good gun barrel sequence. Like you say, the flares. Yeah. yeah. Rogers in his element. It fits with the uh, film. Yeah. And we get the first bit of Marvin Hamlish. We'll we'll come on to him later in more detail. But if, you, if you've seen that, if you've seen that in the cinema, your pants are shredded. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, we're, right, we're in absolute bond here. I'm going to enjoy everything I'm looking at here. This is amazing. No other film series, possibly barring okay, Star Wars, has that, just that opening shot where you think, goodness yeah. me, you know how exciting is. is this? Oh my word! It's the time. It's the time. Well, yeah, but they've done away with it, yeah. haven't they? I can't. Yeah. Well, we we mentioned it in the Skyfall episode in particular at least there were an artistic reasons to not do it for Casino Royale may not agree with them but there was an artistic reason 
this artistic reason was well, was pathetic, really, wasn't it? And then it was badged in at the end, wasn't it? I don't even know whether Mendes wanted that. So anyway, anyway, listen to that episode. But this is a sky love me. Sky love me. Sky love me. Sky who'd be slip of the tongue there. Sorry. Basically, what I'm trying to say is this is a proper James Bond gun barrel. Mm -hmm. Anyway, we we merge underwater to see that one of those submarines. We've got crisp sound, 80s sort of 70s sound effects. Bit of pause. Yeah. Yeah. Tea shaking, just absolutely gorgeous. Chris, I've written here. Do, do you know who played Captain Tolbert, the um, the captain or whatever you call it, whoever's in charge of the submarine? Yeah. No. He, no. He, he's called Brian Marshall. He, he's in a very Chris Goldie. Uh, I think it's a film. Quatermass and the Pit. Ah. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so there you go. That's what I love about bomb films. You'll watch it. It's like oh, it's a guy from that thing that I watched like. Two days ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, two days like, ago. <laughs> that's the guy who's like Boba Fett. <laughs> you know, like, yes. Yeah. Well, yeah, Jeremy Bullock yeah. is in it again. Yeah. Yeah. Is it me? He is. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. Is he? Yeah. Whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah, we'll get there. We'll get there. Yeah, it's very Chris Quatermass in the pit. I've I've not seen any of this yet, but it's an extremely Chris Goldie uh, series. Anyway, <laughs> so we've got yeah, so we've got them. Looking about in the submarine and stuff, and it doesn't look good. Yeah, any any thoughts on this uh, this particular opening scene? Quite scary, quite unsettling, and also I like that it's good when when they do this in films and stuff where you know he spins the um, he spins the periscope. That's what it's called. Isn't it? Yeah, yeah. He spins it round, and then <laughs> you know the, uh, the like the terror in his in his face and his voice. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I really like that. <laughs> and obviously, the uh, yeah, God. and the audience God. is like. What? What's he seen? What could he work? And then it cuts to. Does yeah. it cut to Russia then? Because you don't see. Obviously, you don't see him get captured. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, lovely, uh, man. George Baker, I think, first. George Baker, yeah. Features yeah. yeah. In that crystal set. Yeah, who. Oh, yeah, yeah. The, the male dubbing, of course, of Hilary Bray. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads, generally, for most people, are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Oh, oh seriously? Yes. Yeah. Possibly Amazing. the only, well, one of the main down points in *Honor Man*. Is no offence. Um, I'm not I, the film. I'm I not do gonna, agree. Gonna... No, I, I, I agree. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Again, we know massive segue, but again, this argument in the pub today with this chap. <laughs> like, he was convinced it was called *Majesty's Service*. <laughs> what? <laughs> I, I don't. I, can't. I mean, 
I mean, to be honest, like after that, all his arguments are null and void. Yeah. <laughs> what do you mean on her yep. managed to see? That's the phrase. That's the phrase used. No, That's no. That's why it's um, called that, you know. No, he was adamant he'd seen recently the the James Bond film Majesty's Service. Yeah. That's so so annoying. The spy so who is great. <laughs> <laughs> License. Is, is it also yeah. excellent? The living. <laughs> Doctor Nout. Doctor Nout. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he gets a laser beam on his chest. Yeah. yeah. Um, right. We Shepherd. need that guy in a Bond film. Yeah. He needs to turn up yeah. in a Bond film. Yeah. <laughs> dear, dear, dear. Chris, great Ken Adams set for Gogol's office. He apparently said he wanted an open space to contrast with M's enclosed headquarters, so much more room than the usual the usual M's office. He drew inspiration from Sergei Eisenstein's uh, films. Amazingly, I was. Do you remember, Rob? We, we, we did it in, uh, in yes, remember, in, his, yeah, in history, a little history. Yes. His, yes. He'd filmed the, the sort of fake news, wasn't it? First propaganda. Yeah, it was, wasn't it? Of yeah, the yeah. Soviet Revolution, 1917. Probably like the first sort of, not, it, it won't ever be the first fake news as in terms of yeah. word of mouth being fake, but it will be the first sort of like um, visual media fake news. Correct. Possibly. Propaganda. You listen yeah. to the really 007 history. <laughs> 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 oh, this is art, isn't it, ladies and gentlemen? Yeah. And we suffer for it. We do, but it we is, do yeah, yeah. But it is a beautiful set. And it I also, I love, set, I love yeah. it. Oh. Just, like a little, just a little chair, just sat at the side. Yeah. And it's well, just, just, it's just. For oh, Rubel, Yes, it's just. Yeah. Even when, when you cut to, like, the Admiral's. Office, you know the base. Again, it's just—it's so dramatic and dynamic. It's—it's just—it grabs you straight away. It's, this is—I'm watching such a stylized film that it pulls you in. No. And 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 no matter is someone on a phone going yes yeah, something you know you know, yeah. sort of mumbling away, but it's just <laughs> like, oh I'm, I'm I'm this is this is great you know I want I want I, I think I want what, to yeah. watching this back this time. It sounds sad, but yeah, the sets were the thing that really struck me more than anything else. I think that's one of these are one of the reasons why I don't know. You, it never ages because it's so fantastical and large in life. It's not limiting. Every, every effort is made. Every second on screen is not wasted with the sets, and they're just sort of timeless, aren't they? I know you could say, oh, it's oh, that's, that's so Ken Adam, doesn't it? You know, it does look like it could have been something that he's used before, perhaps. I'm not saying he's unoriginal. He's so original, but it's got that Bond look. You know, like you only live <laughs> twice, of course. You know, the end. But you know, these are amazing sets, and yeah. yes, there are some similarities with some of them. But well, who the, else the, at the, the time is doing anything like this? Yeah, I think you know the. He's all about drama. He's all about the space. So it's, it goes from you know the walls that are sort of like pointing in, or. You know, kind of wide space, like like Gogol's office is like a tomb. It's like some sort of yeah, underground, yeah. you know, like catacomb. yeah, yeah, a catacomb. Yeah, exactly. It's it's just and and for him and also the the, the fact that, that that he sets up that it's the opposite of M's office, but we go through the same stage of of, of you know Triple X coming in and, and and getting her mission, and actually the Russians are much more. Emotional than 
the Brits are, you know, in terms of like, yeah, yeah. I know yeah. she's like yeah. skipping ahead, but you know, it, it's yeah. just, I, I think <laughs> yeah. the, the, the sets are astonishing and so stylized and, and they draw you in. And it's honestly, I think, I think, you know, I don't know how you can underestimate the, 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 the success of the Bond films. You know, he is such a, a key figure inside Fort Knox in Goldfinger. I know, yeah. At the it's end, you know, the, you know, inside at the end of this film, Spy Love Me, with the with the th- you know, built a set that could hold three nuclear <laughs> submarines. <laughs> it's like, yeah. man alive, this guy is he's not holding back. And then to get like, like a two or three minutes for this scene, yeah. And then to get all that like, effort oh, well, they put on. Can't can't figure out how to fit. Can we, can we just light it? How Gogol might have felt when KGB said, uh, "Boss, we're upgrading. You know, <laughs> you know yeah, we've got yeah. you a new office. Like, where are the plugs? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Where where do I plug in anything? Where, what do, what is this? <laughs> Hello. <laughs> yeah, like, it, it, yeah. What? It just the abs, abject confusion. Like, sit down. Um, like, it look three, it looks absolutely like, astonishing. I away. totally agree with you. I, yeah, I love I love every bit of this set hugely, um, but um, it's definitely in the realms of like quite quite like it should be in a movie. Yes. It's in a movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's in a blockbuster yeah. movie. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Riffing on that a bit, as I think about Ken Adam, I think the best Ken Adam sets for me seem to coincide with Lewis Gilbert films. Yeah. I think there's I, I think it's because they both love the grand scale. I think Ken Adam by far. Is, is an absolute genius and he he brings the best out of Lewis Gilbert but I think Lewis Gilbert's his grand he always wants a big battle at the end it's all grand scale it's all fantastical in nature you think if you only live twice by loving Moonraker they all have a big battle they all have beautiful sets and it gives Ken Adam the permission to just absolutely let rip and I think it's a match made in heaven to be honest I think both of them this is what brings the cinematic experience for me. Credit to Broccoli and, and Saltzman earlier on for like thinking, where do we want to put the money in to make these films sell? You know, they don't they don't sort of go for broke and get the most famous actor, most expensive actor to play the baddie. They'll spend it on the set, and it's far better spent on things like that, isn't it? Because it just just sells the film for itself, for what it looks like. Yeah, so. Rublevich, try and get onto her again. Um, <laughs> we did. She was in Octopussy. We did mention her in that. I think she's in one of. The, is she in Fiori's Only? I think she's in three. Um, Moonraker. In Moonraker. Three. Moonraker. Yeah, the, see, the squeakle. Yeah. Um, yeah. The squeakle. <laughs> <laughs> Rob, what do you reckon the relationship is between her and Gogol? What Rublevich? Yeah. Well, I can't imagine it being great. <laughs> 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 is it is it just like M and Money Penny? You know, they just they just work for each other. No, I mean I don't. It's it's not very well explored, is it? Really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, some appalling hand signals no, I, I, on the screen. I think it might. <laughs> yeah, I think yeah. it might be a to his wife. You know, sorry, love. I'm going to be <laughs> yeah. uh, I was late home from work type relationship. Yeah. Am I? Yeah. Sorry, is that Don't appalling? Is that... Am I right? <laughs> I'm ninety percent sure that the scene in Moonraker is when that they ring Goggle up and he goes. There's nothing to do. Problems, problems, problems. And he's in bed, and then it turns to Rublevich giving him a, a glass of wine in bed or a glass. Right, I'm right. I'm I'm ashamed. Ashamed. This, I can't remember this. this. 
No, right, this, this we need some live live Please googling roll. going on here. I I don't spell like Google. Google. It, might, it might not be Rudovich. No Google connection with his Wi-Fi. There's no plugs there. Yeah, he, he can't just, Google I himself. I think it's quite so, a babyish because uh, isn't the actress her surname sounds like Rubel? They just put Rubelvich. Um, yeah. Right, I've got. Rubelvich, um, I'm on jamesbond.fandom.com, who's played by Eva yeah, Rubersteyer. Yeah. Just... <laughs> and she's in For Your Eyes Only in Octopussy, apparently. So what, yeah, John, what's this what thing? There is a scene, absolutely 100% a scene at the end of Moonraker, where they ring up Gilgal to tell yeah. him what's happening with regards to Drax's thing. And he starts going, "How can I sleep? There's problems, problems, problems." But then, he, and he's in these like silky <laughs> pajamas. But then he turns, he turns, and while he's saying this, there's this sultress there, Sheesh. like handing him a drink, and this blonde lady. Yeah, and I always, I always interpreted it as Rubelvich, well. but it's obviously not. Right, I'm trying to get. I'm really trying to get to the bottom of this. <laughs> <laughs> The myths um, of James Bond. He was, uh, uh, so uh, IMDb has it that he he hangs up and returns returns to bed with his lovely secretary. Wow. We yeah we've got in uh, James Bond at fandom dot com. They actually um, on the profile of the character they don't mention that it's yeah they've got spy who love me fear your eyes only an octopusy. They say she's not in Moonraker at all. Uh, they actually refer to her absence in Moonraker. Wow. But it's, it's his secretary still. It's not his Apologies. wife. <laughs> the <laughs> no, well, no, yeah, whatever's going on, it's, it's not great. No, the mistress in Moonraker is listed as Russian girl, <laughs> and she's called she's played by Lizzie Warville, so it's somebody different. <laughs> Someone at Pinewood. So apologies on that. That's deep. No, that's <laughs> deeply harrowing, uh, and, and, and belies other problems the series might have well, all in one go. I was going to say, <laughs> yeah. they've always and, sort of not they've not been too harsh on Russia to make them look like. Despots, and they've, they've tried to give them a lighter touch, but no. Well, this was going on with everybody at the time. So, the next scene we get to, of course, is a woman and a man who we don't know who they are in bed together. For any bonus points, can anyone tell me what theme song is being played on her, whatever you call it, musical box? What do you call them again? You know, you wind them up, don't you? Yeah, uh, uh, music, <laughs> musical box. What do you call it? Musical. Music. <laughs> Jiggly dangly sack. <laughs> the music sack. Anyone? Anyone got an answer? Oh, sorry, well, yeah, we're still it's, asking the question. It's a famous, sorry, uh... another classic film. This composer also has another piece of music used in the film. It's not from, you know, it's, it's from a different film again. <laughs> Same director. For the Rubelvich. The, the classic oh, uh, Lawrence of Arabia. Yes, that comes later. Yeah. Yes. Lean. Yes. David Lean. Another classic David Lean film. The other biggie. I thought it was much better than Lawrence of Arabia. Actually. Oh, um, Zhivago. Zhivago. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's the that's yeah. the song being played on her music box. Both Maurice Jarre oh. winning. I watched a large Education. bunch of this film with Jennifer, my wife, and her comment for this when Anya and Michael Billington are presented was, "Look at that." Just had sex and the hair is perfect. Michael Billing- Billington's. Hair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah <Chester>. <laughs> <laughs> There's enough of it in the flipping hair. Who's that? Are we talking, but, yeah. we're talking about uh, Triple X's yeah. is, is, is yeah, yeah. his other half? Yeah, yeah. Parcel. Parcel. Yeah. Yeah. She meant like George Lazenby hair, 2.0. Everything about Michael Billington <laughs> is perfect. <laughs> Is his it name is Michael Rob, yes. If you remember, you. 
He was just, just, I don't know. He's born in Blackburn. I, can't, I mean, these, yes. it's just incredible, isn't Brilliant. it? Brilliant. Which is, listeners, that is our neck of the woods, if anyone uh, knows. Lancashire. Lancashire. <laughs> so he, he played Sergei Barsov. I don't know whether anyone caught that name. I thought that might crop up in the quiz, actually, because I certainly couldn't remember it from the film. It nearly, nearly did. As we mentioned the Octopussy episode, he was the most screen-tested person for Bond. First in Live and Let Die, Moonraker, again, <sighs> For Your Eyes Only, and Octopussy. Now, again, this shows that every time Roger was threatening, oh, no, that's my last one. So just in case, they always got him to do it while they got on with the other actors. And also he was used to test out the female lead and that's what Maud Adams was doing for Octopussy and then they were like actually you're pretty good we'll give you the bar so yeah yeah um, <laughs> again Je- Jennifer thought he looked like the most Bond guy ever what a crisp guy this is very crisp as well didn't know this he did a photo shoot for On A Majesty's Secret Service as well and he even he even met Ooh. Peter Hunt so I don't know how far the, the got uh-huh. he must have been uh, so know, yeah. that he never got bombed <laughs> <laughs> I know closer. and he's not I looked at what you know CV he's not really been in many films he's been in classic shows The Prisoner and UFO which are obviously again Chris Goldie very firm favourites but yeah he didn't really I don't know didn't really make it and we we only see a little bit of it here. I think he's got I think he has got an English accent but I don't think he's obviously trying to have an English accent <laughs> he can be a spy um, on behalf of Russia but be English yeah. of course can't he but, but if he's called Sergei Barsov of course he can that could be his code name. very good yeah that, that would suggest otherwise do you ever get that feeling though when um that a movie camera is looking at someone in a film who isn't the star and the camera doesn't look Mm, mm. this is one of those occasions so when he rolled over I never thought that he was the main focus of this scene ever even when I was a kid because the camera didn't love him. Aren't you a bad I think fan? the whole the whole way it's staged, I presume. Yeah, like, it is staged deliberately. You, you mentioned yeah. it before, but it's like it's supposed to be. You meant to think he's Absolutely. the X. He's the Absolutely. one that you want to get. To yeah, there, yeah, of course. Yeah, then, yeah. But but at no point did I buy that he was Triple X because I already I thought like, well, he can't be important. Mm. Is that just your childhood memory, perhaps? Because you always knew it was going to be Anya. But it's happened every time. Every time I've seen it, it's probably the same kind of thing. Like they're not. They're not. It like. Whether it's whether he's not lit well enough or whatever reason, I don't know. There just wasn't anything about him that made it made me think like, right, he's the adversary, mm. or he's yeah. the whatever, you know. Um, and then the pan across to um, well, Barbara yeah. Bach, a, a woman after your heart, Rob. No, 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 right, no, right. Well, <laughs> Sorry. no, no. This is terrible. This is absolutely ridiculous uh, because I can't decide whether. She's incredibly attractive, or just not my cup of tea. I just I, can't I'm work with it you, out. Rob. Yeah, it's it's a funny one. We'll, isn't we'll it? go yeah. on to I mean, no, just, on. just back to Billow, Billow. Michael Billington. I mean, you've Billow. You, you've talked about like all these screen tests he's doing and how near he was to becoming Bond, and as maths, you know, exasperated by that, he's like, "Wow, flipping heck! How how uh, how near he is." So instead, we give him the consolation prize. Well, I'll tell you what, mate. You can be in this <laughs> film. You're going to get killed by Bond. And he's going to get you burn. I mean, it's absolutely <laughs> shocking. <laughs> That's the consolation prize. You know what I mean? <laughs> if you're enjoying Really 007, why not follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram? Look us up at Really 007 Pod. Barbara Goldback, real name. I always thought growing up she was, uh, she was, I don't know, German or maybe because of bark, you know. <laughs> but. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure. Johann <laughs> you know, Sebastian Bach is a German composer. They're all they're all laughing 
They're all laughing here. Yeah. <laughs> Lady Starkey, Ringo Starr's um, wife mm. of 40 years. Did we know that? Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's massive. God bless. Yeah. Love you guys. Peace and of love. course, Ringo Peace is and love. Love. <laughs> He's the progenitor of the main phrase. I'm warning Peace you now love. with peace and love. Peace and love. <laughs> oh, dear. Since Ringo, I'm always warning people as much <laughs> peace and love as I can. Yeah, because obviously, Richard Starkey is his real name. It's getting confusing now, isn't it? Ringo Starr, hey, yeah. Ring- I'm Ringo Starr. Rob, people yeah. aren't called Ringo. I did not, I can! I had to break the news to Jennifer that first of all obviously Bruno Mars wasn't his real name and then I said I'm afraid his real name isn't John Legend and her response was what you mean he's not called John I mean this is (laughs) 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 that's a line it is yeah it is Anyway, yeah. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. John, you're you're a big Beatles fan. Love yeah. love the Beatles, massive Beatles fan. I mean, just just riffing on your point there, Rob, about him being called Richard Starkey. His son Zach Starkey is now was the drummer of Oasis and oh. is now the touring drummer of the. Who. I didn't know this. Ah, oh, it's yeah. incredible. Peace and love. Yeah. <laughs> he actually got. Well, there was plenty of peace and love yeah. there. He got sacked. Yeah. Did he? He got sacked from Oasis. Is that Oasis. because, was and he then... not the best drummer in Oasis yeah, yeah. You know, at that time? Uh, in the same it was way probably that... something like that, <laughs> sure. yeah, yeah. Um, but, I think, but I think he... everyone's been sacked yeah, from yeah, Oasis yeah, at yeah. this point. He but, landed yeah. on his feet getting uh, getting the job as the Who drummer, though, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's done well there. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, so, yeah. You know, That's how you bounce back. She, In fact, she had been married before. For 12 years, she had, for 12 years, to an Italian count. And that's she basically what? was a model, and then in lots of Italian cinema, and she she said that she couldn't re- she didn't really seem to get many parts after this because everyone thought she was Italian or European inverted commas, and she couldn't speak English. She she lost the role of Charlie's Angels for that reason apparently, because the producers didn't realise she was American. <laughs> Unbelievable, isn't it? She's a Is she American. Yeah, she's American. Yeah, she's American. No, she was American. Born in New York. Yeah. Yeah. What? So again, did not know that. Sorry. So sorry. She did a great job. Shared, badly. Um, On a sad note, she did remark (laughs) after the film that she thinks Bond is a chauvinist pig who uses girls to shield him against bullets. Well. (laughs) Well. (laughs) (laughs) That that's an interesting. Well, yeah, Mrs. Feckish found out to her. Yeah. We'll, we'll discuss that. Mrs. Feckish! <laughs> 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 I just went down market with Mrs. Feckish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, the only other film, really, the only other big film she's been in is uh, Alistair McLean's Force 10 from Navarone, the year after, with the late, great That's Robert cool. Shaw. Harrison Ford in that. Yes. Okay. Oh, yeah. Him as well. Yeah. Just, just the Bond link there, Christophs. Yeah. <laughs> Tom Mankiewicz, one of the final writers, he claims that Catherine Deneuve, the French actress, wanted to play the lead, but uh, basically she was too expensive, and Broccoli wasn't prepared to pay a quarter of her fee. So again, they'd rather spend the money on the massive soundstage and tanker, and it works out. It works out. Yes. Yeah, so just generally. Barbara Back's performance, chaps. We will come along 
as we progress in the film, but what were your sort of overall thoughts growing up of her in this film? Sexual <laughs> yeah. I thought she were foreign. Am I furiously attracted to this woman? But uh, I, I'm not sure whether I am. I don't know. She's competing with Naomi, though. Oh. That's a simpler... Mate, there's you know, no Well, it's Valerie Leon yeah. as well. Goodness me. She might oh, not even make the top right, three. I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know, yeah. And seriously. Well, Mrs. Beckish. You know. Seriously. <laughs> Jennifer did, Jennifer did think she was beautiful. I'm the cabin girl. We may as well throw the cabin girl there as well. No. Yeah. BBC. Bass, why did you sound like you're like, yeah. but, but, but Mrs. Fox? Well, BBC drama series. Yeah. boy. That wasn't Necros dying. That was Mrs. Feckish. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't know. I don't. Barbara Bar. Yeah, but you call me Barbara Barbara uh, Bar. Yeah. Um. She's obviously um. You know, a strikingly beautiful woman. You know, she's got these huge eyes. I think her uh, her wardrobe until the ridiculous outfit that Stromberg makes her wear, like uh, she's got a yeah. you know really beautiful. Jennifer wardrobe, was a massive fan. I, I, th- I think she. Ma- I think she. Massive. I think she really makes an Im- an impact, and I, I think even though Bond is pretty uh, bit of a dick, yeah, yeah. dick to her throughout, like with his comments and, <laughs> and stuff like that. But you know, she she uh, I I think I think she's good, and it's a it's a she's definitely a Bond girl who is given more than just you know um, damsel in distress. Um, although you know you could argue she's sort of reduced to that a little bit at the end, but. She has, she has she has more you know more to do than a lot of them and yeah I, I think when you say Bond girl people probably she might be yeah, yeah. fairly high up when yeah. who people think of when 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 that phrase is used she gets the better of Bond on numerous occasions and that's not something that happens very often in the series uh, but also on top of that you know um, I mean they, they make decisions with her character that that don't sort of jibe too well with the mm. progressive qualities they're trying to suggest, yeah. like giving her a like a cheetah <laughs> chop. <laughs> like right, you know when they're in the ruins, yeah. you know, and um, but yeah. they bang it against each other. Ha! She's got a gun. She's got a gun. Yeah. She's she has one. She doesn't need I'm to be sure. doing all this rubbish. Uh, but um, yeah, there are all sorts of decisions. But Bond is like during that period, you know, like he's saying things actively, like women drivers, <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. and like, like this is not yeah. good. Yeah. This is not good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Backwards. yeah, yeah, and uh, <laughs> and and you know, I don't know, but I definitely think that she is a cut above uh, the damsel in distress yeah. character by a yeah. long, long way, long, long yeah. way. I, I love the idea. <laughs> Love the idea of Bond's equal. I don't think it's executed. I do not. I think Waylon's executed far better. I don't think it's executed very well. I think it starts better, but to actually end with Bond having to save her in a bikini tied up basically ends. It's what I know. It's got to the point where it's like it's ended just like good night it's ended yeah. the same and that's a shame because the idea here is great 
Yeah, yeah. I'll give examples as we go through it of how I think the thing deteriorates. Which way but that's my thoughts on it. Overall. I agree with you. You know, it's. I mean, maybe it's a little bit on the nose. You know, don't argue with women; they're never wrong. Or what is it? It's, it's never argue. With there's yeah, less yeah, chemistry there's like that, between yeah. those two. The voice again, Tom, is so good. <laughs> the American accent. <laughs> the Brosnan voice. <laughs> oh, yes, yeah. Heavily um, aspirated. Bit sexual, that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I think the chemistry between Moore and Bark is better than Brosnan and Waylin, isn't it? But you could say Waylin oh, yeah. isn't really there for that as much as she. That's yeah, cruel bad, isn't it? The end. I mean, they didn't need to have a. No. They didn't need to have a romantic relationship. It was more a kind yeah. of just. Yeah. Action heroes working together, really. Well, yeah. Well, that was pretty, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That was yeah. So hard in, you mean? The Sorry, main you relationship you buy yeah, that yeah, is yeah. the lecture, not Christmas Jones. Yeah, he wouldn't be bothered about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's true. Yeah. It's true. Christmas in Turkey, but yes. Yeah. I, th- I think we all um, know that the. <laughs> I think we all know that the only real problem with uh, where I was just... is, um, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. the that's the only bit that we all need to have uh, take major umbrage with. Rob, his favourite Bond girl. It does, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what's yeah. about Paul Powell? Maybe I misjudged Paul Powell. Yeah, <laughs> Paul Powell. Uh, oh, yeah, sorry, no, Doug Powell. I'm getting mixed up with. Sorry, yeah, Doug, Doug Powell. Yeah. <laughs> oh really? We're not yeah, here yeah. to film themselves, but we're not to go. He was yeah, Paul yeah, Powell's yeah. brother. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> This can't stay. This can't stay. It stays. It's stay. these ages. Yeah, she's. Um, I think she's. Yeah, she starts off quite steely, quite well. <laughs> yes, she just sort of starts off quite like. Uh, there's not much going on at first. And then as she progresses, she sort of warms up and becomes kind of like a bit more animated. I, I, I love the setup. I love the idea that she's, you know, that the, the initial idea is that, that she's Bond's equal. But yeah, but it c- continues to be, she's undermined later on and every turn, which is a shame because it should be that he, she, she is absolutely his equal. But yeah, I think she's great. I think she's she's she's, she's a great Bond girl. Um, she's she can act well. <laughs> she's I don't know. I, I she's she can she can stand up and talk. I don't know if she's acting. <laughs> I don't know if she's you didn't buy her, conveying she emotion. Was. Well, no. I think she's she, because that's what I'm saying. Is she's, she's pretty she's pretty wooden, which works out quite well at the beginning because she's she's kind of like, oh well, you know. You know, the only scene she's with her lover, and then the next scene she's in, she's told he's dead, and then she's Don't off. Bother. But it's once she sort of, once she sort of plays off with Bond, that's when she sort of comes alive, and I think that's when the writing and her performance actually becomes something interesting. Prior to that, she is just, I will stand and say the words out loud. It's possibly skipping ahead a little bit, but I really, I really think, and maybe they don't make the most of it. It's a really interesting um, story uh, point that Bond has killed her agent yeah, boyfriend, yeah. and mm. you know that whole tension. So we know it to begin with, and 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 clearly, you know, she she was affected by his death, and so you can see why there might be a bit of resistance from her towards him. Um, again, maybe you know, probably don't don't do this and they don't go with this enough or explore it enough or we don't go um, in for that sort of and, thing anymore and the whole thing 
it's a great. I, I really like the scene later when he's so Chris Roger Moore all in black. But I really yeah, like yeah. Roger Moore when he's. I mean, I love. I love him as Bond. I love his. You know, his. His. I don't know. Charming. You know, his charm and everything like that. But then I love it when he does a bit of serious acting. The bit scene of acting. then. Yeah, yeah. I, I really like. Uh, you know, I really like that scene where you know he finds out. Absolutely, I think that's one of the strongest but, scenes. Yeah, but maybe they didn't quite do do enough with that. So you know, and I know it comes back right at the end, but I don't know. But I do, I'd, like I say, I think that's a really interesting story point. It gives a personal, a bit of a personal kind of vendetta edge to it, and makes it a bit personal about Bond, without making it his brother or something like that. Absolutely. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah. You don't have to make it so. You know, it's it's something Bond did. Not delib- you know, not deliberately against that guy. That was part of his mission. Yeah, you know, and it was either him or one of them had to die, and and it was it was that guy. So I think it's a really interesting story point that maybe maybe they don't do enough with. Is a name unacceptable? I've only just thought about that. Triple X. Well, you know, like X rated or something. Well, yeah, I yeah. I, I I've always found it a bit weird because it's like what yeah, I mean, it's it, called like yeah. triple Y or X Y. Yeah. X Y chromosome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry, I jumped in there. Go on. No, no, I totally agree. Uh, I, I'm, I'll probably go even one more basic. I, I think this is the one of the most basic things in the entire yeah. series of films. Like a nod that like there was a bit of blue for the dads in this, so we'll call the triple X. Is it meant to be like an homage? <laughs> I, I don't think. No, I think it's an homage to yeah. the fact that yeah, you know sometimes yeah. there'll be boobies in these movies. You know, <laughs> I think that's it. Oh, there. <laughs> I don't think it's anything more complicated. I mean, you get into an era where basically every single Bond yeah. girl has an innuendo for a name, and and it becomes it, for that era they were probably expecting it. You were probably going into it expecting those kind of things because you know you've. You've had just good night. Uh, you've had pussy galore. Just. You're just about to have Holly Goodhead, you know. And it's like, oh, in the last one, yeah. chew me. Children yeah, watching this. Chew me. I can't forget about. I mean, that's outrageous, isn't it? So uh, Triple X at the end of the day is um, <laughs> yeah. pretty part of the course, isn't it? Really. Yeah. <laughs> well, then there's another scene. Yes, I think with George Baker. Back to MI6. There's not an awful lot of M, and there's even less Money Penny in this film. I realise. I mean, mm. you just hear her off screen. <laughs> And then I think she just sort of introduces Bond to sort of go through the corridor at the, in Egypt, and that's that's about it for her, really, as far as I can remember. But M M doesn't have an awful lot to do in this scene. George Baker, he he was considered for Bond. I mean, there's so everybody seems to have been, uh, but that that was before before Connery, and of course, as we said, he did the voice of Sir Hilary Bray. He was also. An uncredited NASA engineer in You Only Live Twice. Yeah, we get we get one of the famous lines, don't we, from M then? Well tell him to pull out <laughs> <laughs> He's not in it much, but he makes an impact, as ever Bernardly. His penultimate film, sadly. Bernard. Can I just add like this is two and a half hours of recording and we've we've not got anything substantial in it. <laughs> 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 I mean <laughs> This is really substantive. <laughs> this is this is tell him to pull out. This is George Baker. This is Michael Billington. This is what the fans want to hear. I know it. I know it. I, I love. It's the level. It's the level of of, of this, this dissecting it. I've got 
lovely roaring fire. Oh, That's a note. That I <laughs> oh, I assumed you meant. <laughs> I thought you meant in the house. Right. Yeah, we'll get to that. Oh <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Oh. No, not, yeah, hang on, hang on a minute. No, we 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 <laughs> totally glossed over one of the sickest things the whole franchise has got, oh, hey. and it was only noticed watching it yesterday on Blu-ray. Oh yes, that like um, when the the young fella who has an appalling yawn, staged yawn, <laughs> as he walks out the of the bunks bed. in the yeah yeah. yeah. And he walks past uh, uh, some absolutely appalling smut on the wall. Robin in, the, uh, in, the, in the sub. Um, uh, listeners, I, I took one for the team here and I took, you know, extensive photographs of this uh, to send to my colleagues on the podcast so you don't have to see it. And instantly deleted them and deleted them. Yeah, of the course, because I don't want to be a peddler of smut. Absolutely. But th- these were not PG remotely. It's so lazy, isn't it? Assuming that, well, no one then could zoom in and it wasn't HD. Oh, what? No, no. Like, I, I love how that usually in uh, when I was watching the the Conneries on Blu-ray, it was like flipping heck, his arms are hairy, <laughs> yeah. and now it's just like, have you seen that? The yeah. pooping yeah. in the background. Yeah, and oops, I accidentally paused it. And oops, oh, what's, I accidentally <laughs> what's happening oh, here? Okay. Yeah. Seriously. Well, it's they like, totally like die hard, you know, when he. Uh... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They totally I think it was worse than killer, that, aren't they? For the the the, tr- the truck drivers' photos. Yeah. Uh, leave it on there. <laughs> uh, they're not as uh, they're not as rated. <laughs> I don't. I, th- I think. I think these are worse. Yeah, yeah, they are, yeah. I, I, was I, was bu- I was really shocked. The level of detail. In these bombs, <laughs> all this, you know, miles before the <laughs> credit yeah. sequence. Well, we could get right. We could get. <laughs> I'm looking through my notes tonight. <laughs> Racing ahead, we haven't even got to James Bond yet. <laughs> Are we? Do we feel that we've done enough to move on to the first bomb scene? When he's in it. Oh yeah. Oh James. Yeah. It's not quite. Oh, I, go on. oh James! Yeah, it, it's not Maud. No, no it's no. not Maud's outtakes, yeah. but it is in there in the conversation. More perfect hair from both of them. Oof. Yeah, more perfect. Yeah. Hair. So it's more. the first time Roger Moore, his Bond, appeared in a pre pre title sequence. Isn't ah. it? I know. I know his mannequin. Oh, sheesh, yes. Mannequin appears in. Uh, <laughs> Man with the Golden Gun. Yeah, good. Yeah. It's uh, it was very deliberate that as well. Um, it was a deliberate thing because of a response, because they wanted to deliberately make it more Bond because of all the thing. They felt that whilst I actually really like both Live and Let Die and the Man with Golden Gun, um, they really wanted to yeah. get Bond back in the pre-title oh, sequence. Pretty and strong in three. Oh, pre-title sequence, aren't they? Live and Let Die, Man with the Golden Gun, yeah. Spy. Look, goodness me. I think so. Is this the, is this not his most? This clearly oh, yeah, yeah, is his most course, famous yeah. introduction. Yeah. Before we get to the stunts, though, you know, we're still in the barn. Does, does he have an awkward kissing um, style, Roger Moore? It sounded like an Arctic roll being pushed down the stairs, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> We dissect the kissing technique of Roger Moore. (laughs) (laughs) 
I mean, I, when I was watching this scene, oh, I noticed there were bumps. Oh, yeah, on the other side, yeah. I mean, like, on the other side. It's like, well, no wonder he's on the car. Gato, get these so out. Get, I don't care how so much it is. Get them out of here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but she's just in the bug beds. You know, like, as they pulled back, like, there was a child, like, in the top one, like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, like. <laughs> wiping their eyes. What's going on? What's going on? Oh, the kid, you know, like when that, because we have to talk about the label maker on his wrist. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. Like, um, <laughs> and the noise it makes, you know, um, well, what is it? It's like. Chris, Chris, it's like the sound of, um, you know, insects, metallic insects oh. about to have sex, is what it sounds like. <laughs> War of the Copperheads. <laughs> you know, it's, it's absolutely horrendous. Oh, right. This know. is classic <laughs> Bond. Come on. Of oh, course it is. Don't want anything different. Uh, but, well, you know, the fact that she hasn't noticed it is a disgrace. Well, yeah, she is a spy. She's a Russian spy. I never really appreciate that because, of course, he has just left. Oh, yeah. yeah. He has just um, left. But you just think she's a random birdie's necking, of- for want of a better word. You know, hmm. yeah, James. I cannot find the words. Uh, let yeah, me enlarge in your vocabulary. It's yeah. Roger. <laughs> yeah, the the ski suit that he gets into. Oh. it's so good. It's so iconic. God. There's quite a lot of striking colours in this film. Yeah, but they, they, it's such a lovely yeah. outfit. And yeah. we, we had an action man. Last we, time we, we did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Any bo- any bomb. Oh, I remember that. Could, it's yeah, very yeah. action man. Yeah, uh, I love it. They're in Austria here, aren't they? Yes. So Austria. I mean, like, there's, the, it, you're not necessarily behind em- enemy lines here, but it's probably best to be prudent. So I'm gonna waz on the massive, <laughs> bright yellow onesie to go down yeah. with the burning red yeah, back. Just in case you see the yellow. <laughs> you might as well ride a fire down the slopes. <laughs> They didn't get the memo, did they? The, the baddies, they were wearing black. Well, I mean, no, well, I mean, they were, white, they were they? slightly better. Yeah, yeah. Again, not much better, slightly better. <laughs> they got better. it right, at least, for a view to a kill. It's no job. <laughs> yes, they did. And so did Bond in that he as did, well. He did. Um, and so does England. So does it, yeah. There's a, the, the score just, like, after that, just ruins, just sullies it a little for me, that. It's it a makes cheap. it a bit more cheesy. Like it's obviously a cheesy line, but like, after it, like, didn't... John Barry. Would yeah, have done you that, don't. But... You don't need that. You don't need that remotely. Uh, I was just about to say as he was as the the parachute's Not opening, the... like seventies. <laughs> 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 I don't think so. Can I, can, right, you know that that moment where he's at the door of the cabin yes. and he says, "So does England." Yeah. Just take a second. Imagine every other Bond saying it, and which one doesn't ring true? Because there's one that would never utter that. <laughs> this is a rhetorical question, Rob, isn't it? Yeah. It is a little bit. It's a little bit like leading yeah, the witness. It is leading the witness. Objection, Your Honour. Being the proud Scottish. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, the well- oh. <laughs> Wrong answer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's... Growing up, I know it all looks a bit... Problematic, the blessed word again. Sorry, as in it, it is a bit in inverted commas problematic now. But growing up, you didn't sort of you ignored this kind of bit, didn't you? Because you were just oh, waiting yeah. for the skiing. It's just 
Where do we start? I mean, who ca- who cares that you That's had a great, watch yeah. that no, just the, produced the, evidence yeah. of yeah, 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 yeah. and just yeah. left them <laughs> lying around? Who cares about that kind of stuff? Like the bo- the back of James Bond's sofa just must be littered with <laughs> <laughs> like just, just tiny commun- evidence of communications <laughs> all over the place. Yeah. But who ca- I- I'm with you. Who cares? Yeah. This is James Bond. Moving yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Printer's not working. Give me a bit more brief with your points so it's not using as much ticker tape up. Yeah. So good. But yeah, the, even before you get to the parachute, ski chase is terrific, isn't it? It's yeah, so it's well incredible. filmed. Oh, sure. And, and the score as well is amazing. Super. Super. Oh, yeah. Not Okinawa. Oh. Well, who, who knows? <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't know what so. they did. No. We don't. Uh, yeah, Bond 77. So this is where Marvin Hamlish makes his mark in the series. It's it's proper trying to be Bond running music, isn't it? Okay, maybe it's not quite on a Majesty's Secret Service levels, but we've got two great skiing themes in the series, haven't we? Now? And then the snow jump. I think that um, Bond seventy seven. I think Marvin Hamlish's score for this film yeah. works perfectly for the film. Uh, I think that's the best way to describe it. Uh, I watch it and I'm just into it. Uh, that Bond 77 comes in and oh, it, it's a score that I struggle to listen to. Yeah, yeah. Um, actually, on its own, because a lot of the noise, because a lot of the noises that go on like and all that in the middle, it's quite grating. Yeah. But it's perfect when you're listening to it on the film because it's actually <laughs> at the moment. And I like that. I can appreciate that because what he's doing is he is writing a score for the action. He's telling the story through the music, and I I, I can understand yeah. why it's Oscar nominated because it's very much in that in that kind of mentality. He's trying to tell a story through music, and Bond seventy seven until the, the grating noises. I think it's just a superb seventies rendition of the Bond theme. I, I I'm a big fan, yeah. massive. Fan. No, I think you're absolutely right. I think it's such a product of its time that it is it's absolutely what 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 does the Bond fan want now. Let's not. Let's. This isn't about John Barry. But then you do, like say, yeah, that weird. That, that is such. It's so. It really pulls you out. That it's such a strange noise. It's like this is like a sound effect from Garth <laughs> Marenghi. It's like, like you say, it just throws you out of it completely. And it's just a shame because the rest of it, it actually is, is like you say, absolutely fits this film perfectly. And I think my 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 only criticism is I can't help but imagine what Barry would have yeah. done That's been only, he does what he does what he does can, perfectly can I admit something awful and it takes a big person to admit so something worried. doesn't it <laughs> I, didn't know, I didn't know this wasn't John Barry until this moment what you mean this moment now or before you saw it the other night no now this is <laughs> absolutely fantastic right? I didn't know. Yeah. Do you not? Didn't do you know. not think? You know. So I was saying, as a as a kid, I think I, I felt that this felt different to his other films, and and I know Bill Conti scores Thingy and um, Fury Only, Fury's and, Only. And, and George Martin scores Them Let Die, but I think this particularly, it's it's so unique. The sound, it's it's different. It like you say, it fits in with the style. So. Rob, was there not a part of you that had thought, hang on, this does sound a little bit different to... Uh... I mean, yeah, uh, 100%. Like, now that it's been mentioned, of course it, it sounds <laughs> yeah. 
wholesale different. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's just because it's so it's embedded right in the middle of the franchise. Yeah. It's, it's like uh, there's a balancing act in my head going on. Like, like this is like archetypal Bond. But for me, John Barry's also archetypal. Yes, yeah. So there's a balance going on, and I've, I've obviously never made the link ever once I, in my life. I, I think made that link. John Barry's got an almost timeless sound. Like it, it doesn't often, if ever at all, much sound dated. No, no, no. You know, you might say I don't know whether some of synthesizing Living Daylights, but I don't. I don't think that <laughs> sounds. No, no. I, so I listened to that the other day. It's yeah, brilliant. So it still stands whereas, up. Yeah. I, I, th- I agree, John. I wouldn't naturally. Li- I wouldn't listen to it outside of watching watching the film. Although I do remember um, James, our brother. I don't know what he said. <laughs> oh, you, yeah. uh, a, f- a few years ago, like just sent loads of YouTube clips, like boat ride from the Spy Love Me. Uh, you know, yeah. how much? Is that the? You know, like, he was like, I just can't. You know, can't stop listening to this. I was going to mention that. Well, I, so, no, so. I, I'm in. I'm in like um, now. I'm in a process of total reevaluation because, like, list like so many of the musical cues from this score are embedded in my head, and now I'm thinking, oh my god, they weren't. They weren't John. Of course, they weren't John Barry. It's like um, experiencing it in reverse almost. Now I don't want it to ruin. Oh, it hasn't at all. <laughs> if anything, it enhances it. It makes it even more of a curio. Yeah, honest. yeah, yeah. Because uh, the the bit during this sequence that I think is fabulous is when the strings come oh, in just for the second time. Yeah, because it loses any it, cheese element that you might have thought. Oh, it's superb that moment. <laughs> oh. The swell again. Oh, yeah. sheesh. The actual rhythm of it was deliberately similar to. Do you recognise the songs? Anyone? Where has everybody gone? You should be dancing. Yeah. So there you go. <laughs> 1977, BG's Mania. Um, <laughs> Correct. The, on, on the soundtrack, though, mention the soundtrack, the, 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 the cues are different in the film than they are on the soundtrack. And there's, there's one terrible track on the soundtrack called Anya, which isn't in the film, thankfully. And there's a lot of the odd bits of the, the score in the film that doesn't appear on the soundtrack. So it's a bit difficult to tell which bits go where, but the Bond 77 theme... Apparently, there's like in the film, I think it's used three or four times, all completely different pacing. If you notice, it's sped up, I think, for the um, the motorbike chase, and then it's it's slightly slower for this. But the one on the soundtrack is like a an average speed of a lot of them, <laughs> and it's got like the different, it's got added on bits that aren't in the film, like you know. And I'm glad they're not in. Yeah. Just generally talking about Marvin Hamlish. Yeah, Rob, so he, as I think I said with Octopussy, John Barry wasn't always available in the 70s and the 80s because of tax reasons, I think. This is when, it was it like 60% the top rate of tax in Britain? Jeez. So he'd, he'd moved to America and he only wanted to do, in order to avoid paying, paying all that tax, he only did British scores because he'd have to pay more tax every so often. So he sat out of <coughs> Live and Let Die, so George Martin did that. And then he sat out of this, and then he sat out of Fury's Only. For this one, yeah, I mean, growing up, just because you assume it's John Barry, and you don't, didn't really know much about scores, Marvin Hamlish was like, oh, who's he? But again, what unbelievable CV, if you look into the, the chat. He, a bit like Thomas Newman, he's not, yeah. he's not an action score guy at all. He's, you know, he does songs, he does songs for films. He won, 
he won three Oscars on the same night uh, in 1973. One of them, John, was for the score to The Sting. One of your favourite films. I know The Entertainer isn't his, obviously. It is. Yeah, I yeah. mean, the well, vast majority of it anyway. is just, just The Entertainer, isn't it? The other two but... were for another film <laughs> yeah, I saw yeah. quite recently. I was quite impressed. The Way We Were. Uh, Robert Redford and Barbara Streisand. For the song, oh, yeah, and yeah. the... Yeah, yeah Naked Gun. Through, yeah. Uh, and then he joins it that's <laughs> the burglar joining in yeah Marvin Hamlish sadly died for not too long ago quite young this like you said this is the only score nominated for an Oscar until Skyfall because obviously John Barry is not good enough so we keep, keep going anyway um, and of course the song was also nominated for an Oscar so not only John Barry's work but anyway uh, it was also nominated for BAFTA, Golden Globe, and a Grammy, so very, very critically well received score. Marvin Hamlish, one of one of only a few people to have won. This is so sad. The EGOT, Emmy, Grammy, Oscar, and Tony Awards, and only he oh, and correct. Richard Rogers of Rogers and Hammerstein. People are falling asleep now at the back of the top. Only, only, only those two have won all of those. <laughs> he's got he's got eight other nominations for Oscars. You know, he's pretty. Sophie's Choice, one of them. Slight disappointment. Couldn't choose the choice you made. Okay. What was that, Chris? No, he's well at it. Sorry. Like uh, Hamlish, I assume, therefore, is is in charge of one of the most like overriding yeah. sounds of my entire childhood, which is the the backflip off one right. bit to another. Like, uh, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> he's. Like some of the other films he's done, you know, it's not like he did another one with Streisand. The mirror has two faces, and he he did produced a lot of her albums and stuff. Ordinary People, still not seen that. Another massive Oscar-winning film. Chris, I can see obviously. Math Daryl, can you remember Daryl the film? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I can. Yeah, yeah. When you work out yeah, that it's yeah. the lad from like uh, the Never Ending Story, like, oh yeah, of course. It's yeah, he is. He is, and. Uh, and also that guy, that actor, who's he's in Witness. Joseph Sommer. He's in <laughs> yeah. Family Man with. The, he was in yeah, Close yeah. Encounters. And it's like. I didn't realise that. I'm, uh, yeah. 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 It's like, like you know, oh, this guy, he, he must have been in loads of films. <laughs> and then you realise you've seen all the films that he's been in, and yeah. he's got a tiny Wikipedia page. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> this is really this is, sad. Isn't this it? is tangent. I'm going to go tangent. one more. <laughs> one of the most Tom Pickup films ever. And I think it was like the last score he did before he died. Behind the Candelabra. <laughs> it's so good, isn't it? Great Soderbergh. Michael Douglas. Mr. Soderbergh. That's standing, isn't it? Well, the other Matt Damon is. I love that film, anyway. Uh, he also composed the music for Good Morning America. You know, their equivalent of his more. Right. Uh... <laughs> anyway, Rob, back to the backflip. Back to the backflip. This is a brilliant scene, isn't it? Do you, so obviously he uses it. He, he uses the yeah, ski pole yeah. to shoot um, Barsov. Do you think it's? Do you think it's clear enough that it's him who he's shot? It's, it zooms in, it but you can't see his face. He does do a bit of yeah. a zoom, but you can't see. Yeah, yeah. So I wasn't sure whether everyone would have picked that up. Yeah. I've never thought of it too much because of yes. the exposition that happens very quickly after with uh, Google. Yeah. So it's never been because of that. I've never you see it. Yeah. Like, worried about it too much yeah, but sorry, you know it's going to happen don't you? So you 
Again, but he's never been played as the hero. No, he's so disposable. He's, yeah. he, he's not memorable. His face isn't memorable. So when you see him in the in the <laughs> like <laughs> noose of the bush, ah, <laughs> uh, no, you know, like the bush. <laughs> I meant like I didn't mean like. <laughs> Why am I thinking of Crocodile Hunter? Um, when you see his face in the snow, you don't automatically make any. Con- I never made any connection. And there's a, there's a, a yeah, I think that. as well, isn't it? Like yeah, yeah. You know when he's like and like oh, I was supposed to recognise him. Like well, I never recognised him. It's like but it like moves on the music and the scene you know? so quickly. That I think it wants you to. Don't be thinking about that too much because this is a really exciting ski scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah keep, it really keeps the pace up. Super. Yeah. We mentioned the massive set, the Lipperus, which was having to go on while all that was being built. That's when they filmed the second unit, directed by John Glenn. If, as if this guy, John honestly, Glenn. I, John Glenn. That man, oh, he's yes. so underrated. This is like one of the most iconic Bond scenes, isn't it? You know, he was getting on with it. So this was filmed Mount Asgard in Canada. Bond veteran Willie Bogner captured the action. He was the, the photographer. And it's Rick Sylvester, the stuntman, who earned $30,000 for the stunts. So this is like the biggest money paid ever. And the whole stunt cost half a million. At the time, that was the most expensive stunt that was ever filmed. Obviously, you can see why. Uh, I think the close-ups were done in the Alps, but the, main, you know, the actual jump was done in Canada. Eon executive Charles Durow said that they had a screening attended by Charles, Prince of Wales, and he said, I've never seen a reaction in the cinema as there was that night. This is obviously when, you know, the parachute opens and all. You couldn't help it. You could not help stand up. Even Prince Charles stood up. (laughs) Just think about that, though. This is a classic saying on me. We'd love to have been in the cinema when From Rush With Love came out and just seeing the reactions to like the massive scenes in that, how amazing it would have been. But equally with this, can you imagine? Oh, oh like, it's real. Someone's doing this. It's unbelievable. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, um, there was a... Um, we talked about... Um, I, hang on. You we feel like you were wrong. I wasn't even you on that like, yeah. From Rush With Love episode. <laughs> but I feel like... <laughs> But like yeah. empowerment, there's so much empowerment in From Russia With Love for that particular generation of men. And this is just oh, wish fulfillment on an epic scale that actually was managed to contain Absolutely. a vein of patriotism that we're not allowed anymore. Yeah, it's it's politi- you can't use the British flag anymore. Oh, because most of the people on Twitter with the British flag. No, you can't, you can't. Oh, no, seriously... Uh, a, a year ago, I, I wrote about patriotism and why you can't talk about it anymore. You know, and how it's been sullied completely. You can't, it's not good to say you're patriotic anymore. Surely mm. patriotism is one of the founding pillars of the Bond franchise. Fr- yeah, franchise. It's interesting. It's a conscious decision, though, to have the Union Jack, isn't it? Because oh, obviously yeah. a spy wouldn't have that. I mean, it's, it's, it's for cinematic but purposes. It, 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 it's absolutely amazing. So, even though I do love the film, Man with the Golden Gun hadn't obviously gone well. So they're wanting to bounce back with something spectacular. <laughs> and I mean, this is just, this is how you do it. And you, you make your own incredible, iconic moment that will live on in cinema history for, for you know, yeah. how many decades. And it's, it's just amazing. You know, and, it, and it's obviously a dramatic moment because he runs out, he runs out of options, which is, you know, a good yeah. thing 
uh, to happen in a chase or something like that. So what's he going to do? You know, the only thing he can do is ski off the edge. And then that <laughs> gorgeous moment of of silence. And, you know, you can just hear all yeah, the wind. Yeah. And then you see his ski sort of coming off and then out it pops <laughs> and then the bomb theme comes in. I mean, oh, yeah. it's just... A little shot of Roger Moore in Pinewood. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, yeah. Pride of Britain Awards. <laughs> <laughs> that idiot John Barry's not come back, so we'll <laughs> show him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. Yeah, I do know what you mean. Yeah. If he's come after, you know, the Connery era, Conor, uh, Connery era, and then a little shaky period, of, maybe aside from Little Let Die, the pressure's on, like you say, to do something amazing. And then now this, it, it's actually. I think there was a, a poll in Sky Movies when they were going through all the greatest moments of the Bond franchise. Only, you know. No, Mr. Bond, I expected to die. That was the only moment that was considered more iconic. You know, voted by the public. This is like the second most iconic Bond scene ever. And it's in a Roger Moore film. You know, I, know, I know he's not doing the stuff. <laughs> I know he's saying, John, about the... I nearly said the wolf whistler. The dog whistler in um, The Man with the Gun, the Gun. I still think that to the non-Bond diehards, that is one of the most memorable stunts I think I, th- I still think it is I don't think it's been quite ruined by that growing up I can't remember th- being totally put off by the noise but I can understand I can understand why people hate it but the stunt's still unbelievable and people still remember that stunt don't they which, which noise are we talking about you know in so The Golden Gun when he he does the flip over that sort of swamp oh to end <laughs> yeah. yeah I got it yeah sorry <laughs> I think only the Golden Eye opening possibly those three I don't know I'm just thinking off the top of my head but nothing against Daniel Craig there's not been a massive stunt has there that he's done the, the the best thing they've done is when Vespa's in the middle of the road tied up and the car has to swerve that's pretty impressive the crane bit running run up the cranes is good oh yeah cr- yeah Daniel Craig yeah 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 but like but like one moment like uh, yeah not like heart stopping when it's silent and yeah. everyone in the audience I can remember going to cinema with Goldeneye. In fact, I think one of the times was it when I went with you, Matthew. We were a bit late, and we yeah. walked in. Andy was mid, halfway down. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But that's it was again. You could hear a pin drop. Ten years old, but yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I, you've got to say that. Yeah, I agree. Far more effective without the score as he's going down, and then the bomb theme into the. It's so iconic, isn't it? That's all for part one of our The Spy Who Loved Me review. Join us though for part two, where we talk Nobody Does It Better, the title sequence, and eventually we get to Egypt. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. 
Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.